Yod Aleph Kislev, Taf Shin Pei, coming to you live from the headquarters of Ariel Tours in New York, I'm Mayor Weingarten. Welcome to the Israel Show on the Nachum Siegel Network. Ariel Zilber opens things up on this week's edition of the Israel Show. The name of that song is Hageula. There are two versions of it on Ariel Zilber's latest album, Besimcha. And we are happy and joyous to welcome one and all. Welcome to this week's edition of the Israel Show. My name is Mayor Weingarten. 
And you are tuned to the Nachum Siegel Network. We're here each and every Monday, immediately following JM in the AM, 9 AM Eastern Time, 4 PM Israel Time, and around the world, whatever time it is, wherever you are, whatever you are, <laughs> and around the world, wherever you are, whatever time it is, that's the time we're on, I tell you. And of course, we're on on demand, so tell your friends, tell your neighbors, tell the cousins, Tell everybody you know that might be interested in this wonderful program, programming like this. Tell them all about The Israel Show because they can listen to it whenever they want. They don't have to, uh, no reason for them to uh, tune in live because not everybody can. People are busy. I get that. I'm busy too. (laughs) We'll uh, talk about... What seems to be the inevitable upcoming elections? Round three. Ding, 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 ding. In Israel. Going to take place in March. They should take place according to the way the law is structured. Currently, they should place t- take place on March the 10th. But March the 10th, if you take a look at your Jewish calendar, is Purim. The holiday of Purim. And many think that that would be a very appropriate day for this ongoing joke. Which is not so funny, unfortunately. And many were thinking, well, let's make it a week later. But you can't do that. We'll tell you why. And so at the end, uh, it'll be early in March. That's what it looks like. And we'll tell you about what's going on there. We'll tell you about an interesting story that I have not seen covered too much outside of Israel. And it relates to, um, in a way, to the Nachal Haredi, to the whole question of the drafting of Haredi young men into the Israel Defense Forces and the whole issue that became a very public um, st- uh, a, a point of uh, very public uh, controversy when uh, Yair Lapid started his party and the whole issue that he brought up of um, this uh, responsibility, shouldering the responsibility more fairly that uh, he felt... Um, that the Haredi community wasn't shouldering their part of the responsibility because they don't serve in the armed forces. And um, we spoke about it many times. We spoke about the those who felt that this entire idea, the, the entire idea that this was going somewhere, that, that the, um, the public sentiment that was um, carried by the politicians, by the media, that in fact every year more and more Haredim are joining the army. So uh, there were many who said that uh, that's uh, misleading, false, to use a better word. And um, last week a major story broke, and we'll tell you about that and how it might affect people's uh, thoughts and ideas and opinions on on that issue and whatever else we have time to cover uh i would add that earlier just before us here on uh the Nachum Siegel network was a 
amazing interview. As always, these interviews with Nachum Siegel are always amazing, and the ones with Nachum Siegel and Rabbi Riskin are super amazing, and this one was. So um, if you have the opportunity, go to the archives, and it's also on Facebook Live. Go to archives, Facebook Live, whichever, and listen to it. It is always, always fascinating and um, enlightening, to say the least. We uh, go to Yeshlanu uh, Etakach. We debuted it last week. Great song, very popular. Omer Adam, Moshe Peretz, Netabarzilai, Rotem Kon, Eli Varmiano. My name is Mayor Weingarten. You, you, <laughs> my voice went on. You are tuned to the Israel Show on the Nachon Siegel Network. <laughs> Nobody wants to be alone The world is under our skin Like a sunburn How people make this place So powerful but never sure Every smile on the face Never let go Call you my life Bye, 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 bye,
זאת שרק תאיר לי את היום לשון הרע לא מדבר אליי מזל שיש פה אלוקים אחד רק מעליי We have the power. We got the power. My name is Mayor Weingarten. You are tuned to the Israel Show on the Nachum Siegel Network. Thank you so much for tuning in and making us a part of your week. So, 72-something years ago, when the State of Israel was founded, well, a little after that, There was a famous meeting between then Prime Minister, the legendary David Ben-Gurion, and the even more legendary Chazon Ish, the great Torah scholar living in Bnei Brak. And one of the results of that meeting was David Ben-Gurion's agreement to allow those young men who are studying Torah full-time, Torah Tam Umanutam, their job, their uh, umnut, if you will, is Torah, full-time, that those young men would be exempt from army service. It's been said... I don't know if it's true, but it's been said over and over that Ben-Gurion had no problem making this concession to the Chazonish because he felt, eh, these guys aren't going to last very long in this state of Israel. And in general, he felt that the future is us, the secular, the socialists, Mapai. How many... Young men could there be who would sit around and study all day as a full-time job, as their profession? Well, he had a lot of abilities, Ben-Gurion, but Nevoah was not one of them. Prophecy was not one of them. And as time went by, this issue kept growing because the number of students in Yeshiva was growing. It leapfrogged. It really had the major jump with the election of Menachem Begin in 1977, who had a tremendous respect for Torah study, a tremendous respect for religion in general. I didn't know this. Rabbi Wiskin just mentioned that in the interview that he had with Nachum just before this show, that when Menachem Begin married Eliza back in Poland in the 1920s they had agreed to keep Shabbat Kashrut and Tahrat HaMishpacha which is amazing so Menachem Begin gave um, tremendous boost to the Shivot, giving them a lot of funding and in essence 
etching into the Israeli reality this idea that people learning that the young men studying in yeshiva do not do their army service, and as it time went by, the idea spread to all Haredi Jews. If you are part of the Haredi population community, then you're exempt from the army. Well, of course, there are many, many, many problems with this. One is how does the non how do the non Haredi communities, whether religious Zionist or secular, how do they feel about an entire population of people which now is numbering in the thousands and then later in the tens of thousands? How do they feel about their children having to go to the army and be willing to sacrifice their lives for the state of Israel while the next person's child doesn't have to do so? And over time, that resentment just got worse and worse, deeper and deeper. By 2011, 2012, it became a major issue, in part because it's a real issue, in part because politicians inflamed it and the media did the same. And a politician started a new party, Yair Lapid, he was a journalist, turned to politics, started a new party called Yesha Tid, first ran in January of 2013, but already in 2012, one of the major issues on his platform was Shivyon Banetel. There has to be equality in carrying of the burden of the responsibilities of the state, meaning that was a basically code word for you have to have everybody serve in one way or the other in the army given as he always said given that there will be a certain number that will be picked to study Torah full time that that Torah will be their profession from there will come the Rabbanim and the Dayanim and so forth but to have a blanket cover of uh, the Haredi world that everybody's so to speak in yeshiva studying and they all get don't go to the army that was not acceptable to him his party did very well got 19 seats in the first election in the Knesset which is amazing and they did in fact pass some law which many many people saw with great cynicism the law passed in effect saying that the army will put as a goal to draft a certain minimal number of Haredim every year, and that number would grow, small number, a thousand, two thousand, something like that. And of course, those who supported Lapid saw this as a great victory, and those in the Haredi camp saw Lapid as the next... uh, it, 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 it was a campaign by Lapid that's the way they uh, called it there were huge protests in Israel by the Haredi world and here in America too it was uh, touted as being the end of uh, Torah in Israel and so forth without going into all the details 
uh, Nachal Haredi, which was already running at that time, became an important factor, giving an opportunity for the Haredim who did want to serve or were willing to serve or were, who were convinced to serve, giving them an opportunity to serve within a, a battalion that um, that they would feel comfortable with, where food issues would be provided, you know, certain hashgachot, certain kashrut supervision levels, uh, and uh, more time for prayer, for tefillah, for limud, for studying, and so forth. And every year we would hear, now we're going on about, you know, five years or so, every year we would hear how this year, the number of Haridim who are joining the army is growing. This year, the number of Haridim joining the army is growing. That was part one. There's a part two. The part two was that in Israel, if you're not serving in the army, then you can't get a job, you can't go into the um, workforce, you can't be a productive member of society. It was unthinkable that everybody in the Haredi world is going to sit and uh, study all day and not have uh, a job or profession and it created a lot of poverty as a result of their not studying in their yeshivot also the core curriculum of uh, English, math uh, and so forth that was part of this whole move as well well that was all good and nice, and it sounded terrific, and people felt like, wow, we're making some progress, it'll take a long time, but you know, at least we're on the right track. Last week, the bombshell hit. That's the tease. <laughs> Last week, the bombshell hit. We'll tell you what bombshell there was, and uh, we'll continue this story and how it, um, it unfolds. We'll do that right after this song. Galiatari. And this is in honor of the big rains that began in Israel and uh, for us in New York. It's also one of those days where it's just going to rain and rain. So this is Mitriot Umbrellas from the word Matar. My name is Mayor Weingarten and you are tuned to the Israel Show on the Nachum Siegel Network. Mitriot mekupalot yavru miyad leyad kmo meginim lemulachoref velachoref lo ikhpat naalayim ikhtasayim akevim bashluliyot menagenet atizmoret shel mocher amitriot
Atari with a uh, one of the favorites here, Mitriot Umbrellas, from her album Chabekotilat, going back to 2003. So we're discussing the history that led up to last week's major revelation. Last week, longtime military correspondent Carmela Menashe of Cannes broke a story that really, I think, shook a lot of people in Israel. That is, it's hard to imagine, that the military in Israel, since maybe 2011, maybe even a little later, was falsifying the numbers of Haredim who were being drafted slash joining the IDF. And not by some small number. So according to the information that she brought out, in 2011, which is before the laws were passed, in 2011 there were 600 Haridim who joined the IDF. The army, in, in their official statistics, said there were 1,200. Wow, that's easy, easy. Easy to raise the number. Double. Yeah, let's double it. She also reported that in 2017, the army reported that there were 3,070 
Haredi soldiers in the IDF. So it sounds great. We went from 1,200 to over 3,000. Obviously, there's success. The laws passed by the Knesset and the political branch, the executive branch, follows the law, tells the army, you got to draft so many and so many Haredim, that's your goal. Not by force, obviously, but, you know, through various means. The army wants to show that it lived up to the expectations. So they announced that they had 3,070. In fact, according to this report, only 1,300 were recruited slash drafted into the IDF from the Haredi community. What happened? So now, of course, it's the blame game, right? Who's responsible? And so forth and so on. There's a committee that's been put up that is uh, headed by a very well-known general, reserve, reserve general by the name of Roni Numa, Everybody seems to trust him implicitly, and he's been given the job of heading up the investigation into how it happened. The army eventually admitted that this report is true, that the information that was given out was inflated. The numbers were inflated. Why? Well, according to the army, the major problem here, which we can all understand, I guess, is how do you define a Haredi young man? How, who fits into that box, so to speak, of Haredi? So when the army says, I've drafted X number of Haredim, or I have X number of Haredim serving in my armed forces, in my units, how do you define that? Now, when the law was passed there was a definition given. Anybody who, between the age of, what was it, um, 14 to 16, I think, or 14 to 17, something like that. Oh, 14 to 18. If during the ages of 14 to 18, at least two of those four years were spent in a Haredi yeshiva, he is considered Haredi, which means... Let's say that at the age of 14 and 15, or even 14, 15, 16, a young man was in a Haredi yeshiva, but then he fell out. He became not Haredi, he became not religious, or he just became not Haredi. So the last two years of his life, he has not been within the Haredi community. Now he goes, like every other youth in Israel in the non-Haredi community, and he shows up at the draft board at the Lishkat Kiyos and he enlists. He's not supposed to be counted or actually not true, I'm sorry. If he had two years, he should be counted as Haredi. But if you look around, you're seeing somebody who's totally not Haredi. So that's part of the issue. How are we defining Haredi? For example... People who study as part of the Merkaz Harav system, whether it's yeshiva, 
let's see, Rim High School or in the Merkaz Arav Yeshiva, post-high school, they are within the, what they call the Haredali camp. They're religious Zionists, Haredim. So they have a little bit of a different system of how they get uh, drafted, but they ultimately serve in the army. So if you count them in the number of Haredim that got drafted, then again, you're falsifying the figures they would have gotten drafted anyway. What two, two things that we take away from this story. One is the army, which we all rely on to protect and defend the people of Israel and the land of Israel. Of course, Besiata Dishmaya with the help from above. must be above reproach, must be able to be trusted. People must have full trust in the army. And if now, as a result of this story, people have questions when the army makes a statement, that is a danger to the state of Israel. It's a danger to the people of Israel. The army's got to get their act together. That's probably one of the more difficult parts of this whole story. Whether it was a thousand or two thousand is less important than the fact that the army felt itself a legitimate, well, let's put it this way that the army felt it was legitimate for them to falsify information in order to fit in with what they were interpreting as the political correctness or the political uh, demands of the government. The second is, I think, we walk away from this story with another insight. A lot of people who until this point felt that there is some solution to this quagmire, if you will, that this issue of an inequality in the shouldering of the responsibilities of, of the state, that slowly but surely it'll be solved by agreeing that a certain number of students will be their profession will be learning Torah and the rest will join the army and then join the workforce that was a pipe dream it just was a pipe dream and and we have to mention here that we quoted over the the past few years when this was going on we quoted the journalist Dr. Avishai Ben Chaim he's been claiming this for years that it's a lie, it's a lie, it's a lie that the numbers are falsified that they're, 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 they're setting up this false narrative they're setting up this facade as if the numbers are increasing of Haridim joining the army and he said it from the beginning it's not true So now there are public voices that say, you know what, this was, uh, the whole thing was a dream. The whole thing was a dream, 
but it was a pipe dream, and it's not going to happen. So let's move on. And for the first time, for me at least, I'm hearing non-religious people in Israel saying, you know what? A, the army doesn't want them. That's the truth. And that is the truth. If not for the politics, this wouldn't be an issue because the army doesn't want multitudes of Haredim joining where they have to deal with issues of kashrut and issues of female uh, slash male interactions where they have to deal with um, issues of giving more time to one group to daven and to study and so forth and all the issues that come up when you deal with a Haredi public they don't need them they have enough right now manpower, so it seems. So that is not the issue. And therefore, these voices that are saying, leave this alone, are saying the real issue is getting the Haredi public into the workforce. So let us find the way, let us pass laws that will allow this public to somehow do some form of public service, national service, whatever you want to call it, Shegut Lumi, and let them get into the workforce so that they don't wallow in poverty their entire lives because they're under the radar. They have to feel under the radar. It's an interesting thought. But it was interesting to me to see that people are willing to acknowledge that this isn't happening. There's no way that you're going to arrest tens of thousands of people who are not, not going into the army. And the army doesn't want them. Avisha ben Chaim for years has been saying the way to make this work and that people should not feel an inequality is to pay very well those soldiers that go into the uh, fighting units, the infantry, the Tzanchanim, the Givati, Golani, etc. Pay them very well. Doesn't mean that others shouldn't join the army. It's not a, a. It wouldn't be a paid military, but it would mean that whoever goes into this area knows that they're getting paid very well. There are those who say, if you pay, then you take away a lot of the morale that goes with volunteering for these elite units. So it's a big question. All these questions are going to be swirling around us but we walk away from this major breaking story with these thoughts in mind how ultimately does the Haredi community which is growing and growing in Israel and it's a beautiful thing how are they integrated into Israeli society while not giving up their world but mainly into Israeli workforce. That's the question. And ultimately, um, the Israelis will figure it out, hopefully, over time. There'll be a lot of yelling and screaming and arguing, but at the end of the day, it will work out because there's no choice. You can't ignore such a large population with such a tremendous potential in the Jewish people. And that's where ultimately in our lifetime or in the next generation it'll end up. Be'eretz Ahavati, Alon Olarchik, made famous by Pugi. This one is uh, done by him alone. My name is Mayor Weingarten. You are tuned to the Israel Show on the Nachum Siegel Network. Mm-hmm.
who was a member of the Pugi group, the Pugi Lahakat Kaveret, a song made very popular by them, a song that he wrote, Be'eretz Ahavati, my name is Mayor Weingart, and you are tuned to the Israel Show on the Nachum Siegel Network. Well, Israel elections, looks like round three is around, around, around the corner. Oh, it's crazy. So according to the uh, way the election laws work in the state of Israel... The next round of elections should take place on March the 10th, Tuesday, March the 10th. One minor issue. That day is Purim. (laughs) Uh, And as I mentioned earlier, that wouldn't be a bad idea. The whole thing is such a joke at this point. People in Israel are so fed up with everything. It's like maybe it's a good idea for them to go to the polls drunk. But obviously that's not going to happen. So they thought, okay, how about the next week? Which would be the 17th. So it turns out that you can have the elections on March the 17th. And if you'd have to guess, it would be shocking if you would realize, if you would be able to guess why. Well, the, the Hebrew date on the Jewish calendar of the 17th of March is Chaf Aleph Adar. And it just so happens that that is the yard site of Rebbe Elimelech of Lezhensk. When, I don't know, hundreds, maybe, maybe thousands of uh, Haredi Jews leave Israel to go to pray at the dead Rebbe's 
gravestone somewhere in Europe, I think in Poland somewhere. And so the Haredi parties were afraid that they would lose a few thousand votes. So that's out. And as somebody pointed out this morning on Israeli radio, I loved it. They played um, like uh, half a minute or so of of, uh, Avram Fried's song Adaraba, which was composed by Yossi Green to the words written by Rebeli Melech of Lezhensk, which speak against having being uh, being uh, contrary to one another in Adaraba. Ten bili benu liyot liyot kol echad malat chaveirenu v'lo chesuanam. Adaraba, give us in our heart that we should see the positive of the other person and not the negatives and not what they're lacking. Well, that would have been a good day to have elections with that in mind, but that's not happening either. And yes, one of the more popular. Uh, drive time talk shows on Israeli radio did begin with the uh, song Adaraba. Yossi Green, if you're listening, be aware. I'm sure you are already. So, it now it seems the agreed upon date is March the 2nd. I don't know why not March the 3rd. It's usually on a Tuesday, and that, according to law, is the way it should be. But now they've agreed on, uh, oh, Zayin Adar, maybe because um, Zayin Adar, which is the date, according to our tradition, that Moshe Rabbeinu was born and died, is the date that we commemorate the um, soldiers that don't have a uh, a place of burial. And because Moshe's burial place is unknown as well, so maybe they felt that that would not be an appropriate day because of different ceremonies and so forth. So they made it the 2nd of March. Write it on your calendar, pencil it in. If you live in Israel, you want to get your little pieces of paper ready to vote. Oh my, what a crazy world. I don't know if you got to watch this, but uh, over the weekend, President Trump gave an amazing, amazing <clears throat> pro-Israel speech at a convention I think it's called the uh, Israel-American Conference or Coalition or something this is an organization started by Israelis who now live in America and it was started to support the state of Israel and uh, it has the support of Sheldon and Miriam Adelson which means there's a lot of money backing them and that's probably how they got President Trump to speak at their conference and he spoke for about an hour it's online, you can get it at uh, whitehouse.gov you can get it on YouTube, just look at President Trump, uh, IA what was it, IAC, we will post it on our Facebook page as well if you're not sure where to find it and you want it you can email us, mayor, M-E-I-R at nachumsiegel.com it was an amazing speech and he pointed out that uh, it was almost to the day two years since he announced the United States recognition of Jerusalem as the capital of Israel. That was on December the 6th, 2017. And he came through and he really went through all the different things that he came through for the state of Israel. The Golan, the issue of building in Yehudan Shomron not being illegal. Of course Yerushalayim, that goes without saying, but he, he pointed out that Adelson, Sheldon Adelson had said to him that the most important thing that he did was to do away with the um, Iran 
deal, so to speak, the JCPOA, which was a real viable threat to the state of Israel. So, at the end of his speech, the Shalva band that we've spoken about many times here, uh, the Shalva band played God Bless America, and there was a beautiful moment after they finished. You see President Trump start walking towards them with outstretched hands like he's going to give him a big hug and they come running toward him. It is beautiful. It has been, he hugs the entire band for uh, a while and they take pictures and uh, just, you see the love that's in his heart for these people. And um, I will try to post the link of it. It's at the end of the speech. It's making its way on uh, on, on social media. So look for it. It's uh, It's really it's a moving moment to see the President of the United States do that. In addition, coming after such a great speech. And that speech, there's a subtext there, I think, that says, hey, you got me here for about another year at least. Don't let this time go to waste. Do what you got to do if that means... I'm I'm saying this now. The president didn't say it, but many observers believe this. If that means that uh, Israel announces its sovereignty on the Jordan River Valley, do it now. You won't get another chance unless I'm reelected. Lord knows that during the Obama presidency, that was not even a remote possibility in anyone's mind. Uh, a point I just want to make, a correction, sort of correction from last week. We spoke about the word na, nun aleph. And I said that pos- I showed the possible connection between the word na meaning now, quickly, and na meaning raw. And after having checked with the expert, my uh, good friend and mentor, Dr. Lior Gottlieb, he told me that uh, that connection is very well. He didn't say it's very cute. I'm saying it's very cute, but he told me that it's not. It's not linguistically correct. So we'll get back to the whole not issue because there's a lot more that I've discovered over time since we spoke about it first. But I just wanted to make that correction. What else do we have to tell you about? Well, actually, it's almost time to end. But Chodesh Kislev, I want to tell you. Something interesting about Chodesh Kislev. I'm not sure what it means, if it means anything. It's just interesting that, obviously, during this month we celebrate the victory of the Maccabees over the Greeks. In Kislev, as we just mentioned, President Donald Trump announced that the United States recognizes Jerusalem. And in Kislev, on the 26th of Kislev, to be exact, in 1917, General Allenby, at the head of the British forces, enters Yerushalayim, putting an end to the horrific Turkish rule, which lasted about 600 years over the land of Israel, and paving the way to the new state of Israel. So this is a special month. It's a month of uh, Geulah, and we should all appreciate 
what we have and uh, what it is that we are going through, as uh, pointed out so beautifully by Rabbi Riskin um, when he appeared on uh, Nachum's show just before us. We will end the show with a golden oldie, Ethnics with Tutim. Tutim. But first, <laughs> uh, why do I seem drunk today? It's not Purim. And I don't get drunk on Purim either. First, we want to say thank you. Thank you so much for tuning in. Thanks for all your Facebook likes and comments. Thanks to the staff of the Nachum Siegel Network. And a very special thanks, as always, to Nachum Siegel. Coming up on the Nachum Siegel Network, Yoni Pollock with After Further Review, covering the latest in the world of sports. And then... Novak now with Jake Novak, who has an amazing show. Not to say that Yoni's is amazing, and if you love sports, Yoni's is amazing too. Um, but I'm not so into sports, so you'll have to excuse me for saying that Jake Novak has a great show that covers issues of the day in a very, very good, interesting way. Worth listening to that and all the rest of the programming on the Nahum Siegel Network. After Jake, Monday Music Marathon takes us through the day. Until next Monday, immediately following Jamie and the and this is Mayor Weingarten reminding you the nice guys do not finish last. They're just running in a different race. Stop.